This is Jacob Ovadia, and we'll be studying Chotam Torah, Perik Vav, Chapter 6. Kol, and this chapter talks about uh, the respect for that an individual is obligated to have for any sage in Israel. Uh, as the last chapter, we talked about the respect an individual has to have towards his own personal teacher. And one of the mitzvot minat Torah, one of the mitzvot from the Torah that we spoke about in the beginning of the Torah was uh, that an individual has to um, respect uh, those who know Torah. Uh, it says the two mitzvot are to teach Torah, or to study Torah rather, and the second is to respect and honor those who teach Torah and know Torah. And this chapter is going to talk about uh, those uh, who, um, who know Torah and who teach Torah. All of the students of the sages, it is uh, a mitzvah, uh, positive instruction, a commandment, to praise and exalt them. Even though it's not his own personal teacher, as the passage states, uh, from before uh, an elderly, you shall stand up and you shall honor the face of an old individual. And it's, this pasuk is in regards to, refers to an individual who acquired knowledge. And from when is an individual obligated to stand before uh, a sage? From when he enters uh, four amot. Uh, or about four yards of his space. Until he passes uh, before him. It, individuals should not stand before them uh, in the shower house or in the bathroom. As the Pasuk states, we shall stand up and honor them. And a person should only stand up in a place that there is honor, praise. In the bathroom or in a bathhouse, uh, honor is not uh, present there. And employees are not obligated to stand before uh, the student of the sages uh, during the time that they are busy working. states, you should get up in honor. Honor uh, should be without monetary loss. So whenever you get up to honor someone, it shouldn't have a monetary loss toward, for you. 
ומנין שלא יעצים עיניו מן החכם, כדי שלא יראהו עד שלא יעמוד מפניו. And from where do we know that an individual shouldn't shut his eyes uh, before a sage um, to stand up for him? This is the continuation of the Pasuk uh, mentioned above. The Pasuk goes, so, because the, as the result of the Pasuk saying, and you shall revere God, anything that belongs to an individual's heart, it says about it, and you shall revere God. Therefore, an individual should not shut his eyes because it's something that. Um, is personal with the individual and he has his own he has the ability to choose and it belongs to his own heart so to speak because the pasuk says you shall revere god in regards to standing up for uh, a sage so an individual is prohibited from closing his eyes when he sees a sage in order not to stand up a sage should not uh, be a bother to the people, or be troublesome or a burden on the people, and uh, focus uh, and make sure that when he enters, should stand up for him. Rather, he should go uh, through a short way in order for him to take a seat so the people don't have to stand. And you should try very hard not to even make one person see him so that he won't be a bother for him to stand up. And the sages would go and take a roundabout path that and they would go from an outside uh, entrance or from an outside path so that the people that would know so that there wouldn't be anyone that would know them there in order for them not to be a bother on the people Just to point out look at the great lengths that the hahamim would go the early sages was sages would go and to avoid bothering the people even though it would be uh, for their own respect and honor an individual that's riding on an animal, it's as if he's walking. And just as an individual should stand when a sage is walking, so he should stand when a sage, when he, a sage passes him and he's riding on his animal. This is the protocol for anyone who is walking with a sage. That there, there were three individual walk, three individuals walking. The master, the sage, would be in the middle. His, the greatest student or the greater of the two on his right, and the less uh, great in category on the left. And 
this basically, this halakha addresses the protocol for the different sages and the different levels and categories of sages uh, in the Jewish society, when an individual has to stand up and when he can uh, sit down. And again, this whole standing up has to do with respect, and it's something um, that should still be practiced. Someone who sees a sage should not stand before him until he reaches within four amot of him. And after he passes, he should sit. However, uh, the rules are different for those distinguished uh, individuals in the Jewish society, particularly the president and vice president of the Supreme Court. And we're going to see how that plays out. If an individual saw the vice president of the Supreme Court of the Jewish people, an individual should stand from before him once he enters his line of sight. And he should not sit until he passes four amot after him. If he saw the president of the Supreme Court, Similarly, he should also stand before him once he enters his line of sight. And he should not sit until the president sits down in his spot or until he leaves his line of sight. And a president who... Um, decided to forego all of this honor, uh, he has the ability to do so. When the president uh, of the Supreme Court walks in, the entire nation or congregation should stand. Again, this is similar to uh, the American judicial system. When a judge enters the room, uh, everyone stands up typically. And they should not sit until he says sit, gives them permission to sit. When the vice president uh, enters, when the vice president enters, there the people make two rows, uh, standing up from both sides, left and right of the president, until he enters and sits in his place, and then the rest of the nation should uh, is allowed to sit. They don't need to wait for the vice president's permission, in contrast to the president. If a sage enters uh, a room, anyone who he enters, anyone for a mot uh, ahead of him uh, should stand from before him. And everyone stands up as he progressively passes them. So once he passes, once he enters for a mot of the individual, they should stand and then sit down after he passes. The sons of the sages and the students of the sages. 
מקפצים על ראשי העם ונכנסים למקומן. When the masses need them, it seems that this halacha is referring to when one of, the, one of, one of their teachers is, is giving a class or speaking, uh, they would, it's if, it, it's if as if they would jump on the heads of the people and sit in their place. Obviously not jump up on the heads of the people, rather they would run towards the front and it's as if they would be stepping on the heads of the people to make their way to the front because they would go quickly. Not praiseworthy of a student of the sages to come in last. Uh, this is obvious. Uh, someone who's a student of, this, of his teacher or his sage should be the first person uh, in the class, the first person to be there to serve his master. However, if he left uh, for a reason, uh, then he goes back and returns to his seat. The sons and students of the sages, at a time that they have the mindset to listen and focus on what their master is saying, when they address the people, they should turn their face towards their father or their teacher. If they don't have the mindset or concentration to focus, they should turn and face. People will know that they're sitting there as out of respect to their father or teacher. If there's a student who sits in the presence of his always sits in the presence of his teacher, he is not allowed to rise before him and to get up and leave only um, during shaharit and arvit, in the prayers, the morning prayer and the evening prayer. Because it, if he leaves for, it's as if his master is more than the honor of, uh, of heaven. Because during the prayers of Shema and Arvit, uh, we say Kiryat Shema. And when we say Kiryat Shema, uh, it's an individual's accepting of Machut Shemaim. So if he leaves um, at a time uh, that is not the morning or, after, or evening prayer, it's as if uh, his master's honor is more than the honor he, and fear he has uh, for heaven. Halakha. Anyone who is very old and has a distinguished age is referring to someone around the age of 85 or 90. Again, it's Arambam here doesn't give an age. Uh, it's up to the individual's own uh, judgment to make the call, so to speak. But it's an individual who's very old uh, and distinguished in his age. Even though he may not be a sage, uh, an individual should stand before them. Even a young scholar uh, stands before uh, someone who is distinguished in age. And this is something very telling. Um, 
in the Jewish mind, uh, in the Jewish mindset, age is something we respect as both as individuals and both as a society. Because it shows an individual has some type of life or worldly knowledge as a result of his years of experience uh, of different things. And uh, that's why uh, a young scholar even must stand uh, before an individual who is especially old. However, the sage is not obligated to stand up all the way. He should stand. Uh, However much it would be to honor him. So to get up a little bit, uh, again, Rambam doesn't uh, give an exact measure. It's up to the person's own judgment on how to behave. Whatever would be honorable for the individual. This is something uh, revolutionary. And even a distinguished person who is not a Jew, an elderly, distingu distinguishedly elderly, even an old non-Jew, an individual has the obligation to honor him and to speak to him in terms of praise and honor. And we give him a leaning hand to help him get up if he's sitting. As the Pasuk states, you shall rise before an elderly person. And this pasuk included all old age. Um, again, the other side of this obligation is in order for an individual to acquire uh, the behavior, the character trait of anava, of humbleness. Uh, and he realizes how little he's experienced uh, in his short life in comparison to someone that's old. And that's why it applies uh, to a goy, a non-Jew as well. A student of the sages should not go out personally with the rest of the congregation to dig and to build for the city so that they won't be disgraced in the eyes of the uneducated individuals. And we don't go and ask for them to pay for walls of the city, or the gates of the city, or for the payment or salary of the guards that protect the city. Uh, and anything else uh, in regards to that. Not for the gift fund uh, of the king. And just something else to point out that in the, it seems just from this um, ver just from this, uh, this sentence that there would be some type of fund that the Jewish communities would send to the king. Uh, it seems that it's referring to uh, a, a non-Jewish king that was um, uh, in charge of and ruling over that land. And it just, Anabam is here is hinting to a tactic 
that the Jewish communities would use, that they would send a gift uh, to the king uh, every year or so uh, in order for the king to uh, protect the Jewish people. Something that we don't realize enough, pay attention to, is how shrewd, politically shrewd uh, and intelligent our communities were. We also don't obligate Tamidei uh, Chachamim to give, um, to pay the pay tax. Not uh, the tax that is incumbent on and, and on the entire city collectively, and not a tax that is incumbent on every individual. Even though they shall spend gifts among the nation, now I'll gather them and they'll be humbled uh, through the burden of the princes and kings, meaning that they will not pay the burden uh, of the kings and princes. If there was merchandise, the merchandise of a sage uh, at the marketplace, uh, we let him sell first. And we don't go and allow someone else from the marketplace to sell uh, until the sage um, sells his merchandise first. And again, something we have to, something else to point out: the shuk, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, a talmid chacham should not go out to the shuk mevusam, uh, smelling good. The shuk uh, was not uh, the nice marketplace that we think of today. Rather, it was not the best of places. I mean, there are certain uh, laws that apply only to the shuk, and an individual is allowed and not allowed to do certain things in the shuk. For example, a woman should not go with her head uncovered to the shuk. And we'll get to that, Be'ezat Hashem, uh, in Hilchot uh, Isure Bia, or Ishut, Isure Bia. Ishut, Vechen, Similarly, if he had uh, a judgment, he had to go to court, and he was wait, and he had, and he was with the other uh, individuals that also had to go to court. He goes first, uh, and we return him first. But there's an exception to this in in Hilchot Sanhedrin, Perik Aleph, and in a widow and a woman actually uh, takes precedent over a sage because we want to save from embarrassment uh, from a woman from having to, uh, to wait. Halakha Yod Gimel Avon gadol hu levazot et hachamim odisnotan It is a large transgression or a great transgression to disgrace or hate uh, the hachamim, the sages. And it, Jerusalem was not destroyed until um, the sages were disgraced by the people. 
ויהיו מלעיבים במלאכי האלוהים, ובועזים דבריו, ומתעתעים בנביאיו. The people would make fun and insult the angels, messengers of God, referring to the Chachamim, as we mentioned before. ובועזים דבריו, ומתעתעים בנביאיו. And they would disgrace and shame what they say, and they would take uh, his nevi'im lightly. Kelomar, as if to say, they would disgrace those who teach God's word. And this is similar to what the Torah said. Before all of the uh, tragedies that the Torah describes will eventually fall on Israel if they don't keep the laws, it specifically says, if you discussed, have discussed in my laws, those who teach my laws will you have discussed, and only then will the tragedies befall you. Anyone who disgraces the sages, does not have a place in the world to come. He's included in those about which the Pasuk says, as he disgraced the word of God. Even though an individual who disgraced the sages doesn't have a place in the world to come, if there are witnesses that came and te- testified that they that someone dis- that an individual disgraced another chacham, even just by speech, Hayav Nidui. He is liable for Nidui. And in the next chapter, we'll discuss exactly what Nidui is. Basically, Nidui is a temporary status imposed by Bedin of three individuals. And it's, it's a type of societal distancing. And it's an, in, it's an exclusion, as we'll see, of most communities, most communal affairs. Uh, as we'll see in the next chapter. For example, in, it's prohibited to do a business or to, or to um, sit within four amot of an individual that's high of Nidui. But from now, we'll call, uh, we'll stick with uh, societal distancing or Nidui um, for now. Um, nadin, um, nadin barabim, and he is publicly uh, distanced. He's put in Nidui publicly. And he has fined uh, a litra of gold in every place. Uh, this is about, this is 35 dinar, and it's about 145 uh, grams of gold. And it's given to the sage. And anyone who disgraces the sage with words, even after his death, uh, he is put in Nidui by the court. He's released from the status when he does teshuvah, returns to do teshuvah. However, if the sage was alive, but if the sage was alive, he isn't only released unless, until he, he is only released on the condition that he goes and asks, um, 
for apologies from the sage and asks him and apologizes and and um, and gets on good terms with the sage. Similarly, a sage has the ability to put someone else in Nidui for his honor uh, to, a, to an uneducated individual that disrespected him and took him lightly. He does not need uh, to give a warning and he does not need witnesses to testify. And he is only released from Nidui until he uh, again goes and apologizes to the sage. If the sage passes away, he is released uh, if three other people come and they release him from it. But if the sage wanted to forego um, this disrespect and he did not put him in Nidui, he has the ability to do so. Again, all of this is in order to keep the proper respect uh, for those who teach Torah and for those who represent the Torah. So if an individual is taking lightly someone that teaches Torah and has acquired uh, knowledge of the Torah, that is, that is unacceptable for us as a society. And we put this person and we distance him uh, and we put him away uh, temporarily um, from our society in certain ways. And we're going to see that in the next chapter. A sage, a master, that put someone in Nidui for his honor. All of his students are obligated to uh, treat this person uh, as if he's in Nidui uh, as well. However, if a student um, puts someone else in Yidui for his own honor, the teacher is not obligated to uh, treat this person with as if he's in Yidui. The rest of the people and the rest of the nation are obligated to treat him as if he's in Yidui. An individual that the president of the Supreme Court put in Yidui, all of Israel must treat this person with Yidui. If anyone except the president puts someone in Nidui, the, the president of the, of the Sanhedrin does not have to treat this person with Nidui. Jacob, sorry to interrupt. I think that one <clears throat> way to translate Nidui would be for someone to be in contempt of court. That's the equivalent that we have in, in, today's, uh, in today's society. Uh, back then, to be in contempt of a Tamid Hachamim, uh, being in Nidui had certain other consequences, social consequences. In the United States, if you're in contempt of court, there are several sentencing guidelines and you could get uh, several kinds of, uh, of consequences. Back then, Nidui had certain consequences which we will treat in the next chapter. Definitely. Thank you uh, for the clarification, Hacham. Someone who is in contempt of court uh, for all of Israel is not, uh, has, does not have to, be, have to be treated by such by the president of the Supreme Court. 
individual um, that is in contempt of court for his city, the city that he comes from, uh, he is also held in contempt for another, for another city. But if he is, was put in contempt of court by another city, he is not uh, in, held in contempt by his own city. When is this uh, applied? This is uh, only in regards to an individual that was put in contempt uh, because he disgraced the student of the sages. However, if an individual is put in contempt uh, for anything, any other uh, thing that he does that he'll be liable uh, for Nidui, even if the smallest of Israel uh, put, held, put him in contempt of court, uh, even the president and all of Israel are obligated to treat this person as if he's in contempt. Until he returns uh, and repents for what he did, uh, that he was liable for Nidui and that he was put in Nidui, and they release him from Nidui. And again, we're going to get into the details in the next chapter. And this is basically a list of all the different things that an individual would be liable uh, to be held in contempt of court, both men and women. For 24 things uh, do we put, hold someone in contempt. Ben Ish Ben Isha, both if he's a man or a woman, Eluhen. And these are the following. And these are serious uh, things that the sages um, took extremely seriously, but didn't have the ability to punish them either by death or by any other um, punishment that the court uh, would, would have at their uh, disposal. First, uh, someone who disgraces the sage. Again, this is different from what we mentioned earlier, that he was a student of the sage. Even after his death. Second, anyone who disgraces uh, a messenger of the court, who would invite the litigants uh, to come to court. You invite the litigants and both the witnesses as well. Third, anyone who calls his fellow, a slave. Uh, there are two possible reasons, I think, for this. That um, the first and probably the main reason is that this individual is claiming that his friend has a flaw in his lineage, and it would would affect both him and his children in a very practical way. Uh, and also another reason is that we were all slaves in Egypt. So anyone calling his fellow a slave. Um, is saying something uh, illegitimate, as he also was a slave uh, at one point in time. Dalid, Anyone who scoffs at or takes lightly anything legislated by the sages, and obviously if he takes anything uh, from scripture lightly, 
at least it's in regards to a law or even um, an establishment or legislation that the court made. Fifth, Anyone who who the court sent for him and set a, ta- set a time uh, to have his judgment, and he did not come, or even a witness. In regards to the previous, um, the previous one, about someone who takes lightly the words of the, sa- the establishments of the sages, in Masichet Edriyod, Dafyod Aleph, an individual by the name of El Azar ben Hasach um, doubted Netilat Yadayim, and he was put in Nidui for this, as Nesiyat Yudayim is something uh, that the sages established. Sixth, Anyone who did not accept the judgment of the court, uh, he is put in contempt until he gives whatever he was liable. Seven, Anyone who has in his, on his property anything that's a hazard to the public, for example, a wild or, or malicious dog or a rickety ladder, uh, he's put uh, in uh, contempt until he removes the hazard. Anyone who sells his property uh, to a non-Jew, He's put in contempt until he, uh, and basically we let the goy neighbor do whatever uh, whatever he wants to the Jew. Nine, anyone who testifies against another Jew in the courts of the non of the goyim. And he actually took out money as a result. Uh, from another Jew, and it was done not by the Jewish court system. And he's held in contempt until this witness pays whatever he uh, he made the Jew be liable for in the non-Jewish courts. Yod, tabach kohen she'enu mafrish matanot v'nakinan lekohen aher v'nadino ta'achayiten any butcher, kohen butcher that doesn't take uh, or separate uh, the gifts from the kimuna, or give it to, and give it to another priest. He is held in contempt until he gives. Eleven. Anyone who desecrates the seven days uh, that the people that the people in exile keep, even though it's only a Minhag, or a custom that was given uh, legitimacy by the Jewish court. This was said actually in Masachet Pesachim, Dafnun Bet, with Rav and Shemuel, who said this. Uh, and it's um, ironic because they actually op- opened up and began the two academies in Babylon uh, after the Mishnah was written. They were both students of the Benu HaKadosh. And uh, it's interesting to note that they were the ones who established this as they were living outside of Israel and began the academies in Babylonia. 12. 
Akhar Hasot. Anyone who does uh, work on the eve of Pesach after midday. Because at the time, there would were, there were be people that would be bringing the Korban Hagiyah and the slaughtering of the Korban Pesach was exactly at this time. It's as if he's not taking part in uh, the Korban Pesach. And he and the Korban Pesach was uh, for, as I remember in trust, I remember the exile and liberation of Egypt. It was one of the most important elements of our national memory. 13. Anyone who mentions the name of heaven for, as an exaggeration or just says it for no good reason. 14. Anyone who brings the masses to desecrate God's name. 15. Anyone who brings and causes the masses to eat uh, designated foods that were eaten in the Beit Hamidash, he brings them to eat it outside uh, of where they're allowed. 16. Anyone who calculates the years and months outside of Israel, Talachot of Kiddusha Chodesh are only done by the courts in Israel. As the Pasuk says, Ki mitziyont, etc. As from uh, Zion uh, will the Torah go out from. 17. Anyone who puts a stumbling block before the blind. And obviously this, as Harambam will explain to us later, this is not necessarily uh, limited to someone who puts a stumbling block before a blind person. Rather, it's Anyone who causes his friend or fellow uh, to uh, do a transgression. 18. Anyone who delays the masses from doing a mitzvah. 19. Any butcher that, um, that slaughtered something and it wasn't slaughtered in the proper way, uh, it is prohibited to eat this individual. And any uh, butcher who gives and feeds this to the people um, is liable for any doing. 20. Any butcher who uh, does not check his knife um, before a sage, before he slaughtered. 21. Anyone who consciously thinks about different inappropriate things in order to get an erection. 22. Anyone who divorced a woman and uh, purposely sets things up uh, in a way of a partnership and does business with her uh, in order for uh, them to be dependent on one another. When they come uh, to Bedin eventually, uh, they are put in contempt. Here, this is interesting because um, an individual that divorces another, his wife, uh, his former wife, uh, should try and leave her alone. Uh, and the women also should try and avoid uh, her uh, former husband. But if the court sees that these individuals are doing business, uh, and we see them together, um, we suspect uh, something is fishy. 
and there is uh, some uh, weird uh, relationship going on and uh, we want to take all uh, measures to avoid anything inappropriate. 23. Any sage who has a bad reputation. 24. Anyone who puts someone in contempt, uh, anyone who is not obligated or liable to be put in contempt. As that's Hashem, tomorrow we'll study uh, Pirik Shavi'i, the last chapter of Hilchot uh, Torah.